0: Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm so glad that you tuned in today. Because today here on the Bottom Line Show, we're going to talk about two things that are very, very important to each of us as Christians. One of them is our desire to be home with the Lord, not to die, but I mean the the ultimate, the the, the longing that we have. You know, we, we have as many years as we have on earth, and then we go home to be with the Lord. We're going to get a glimpse at what one writer says she learned from her longings to uh, be back and reunited with her family in her native country of Korea, um, and how that's taught her a lot about the yearnings that we have as Christians for heaven today. Amy Beckley, is going to join us to start hour number two. We're also going to take a look at some good news. At the box office this year, for the first time ever, a faith-based movie finished in the top 10 in Hollywood, ticket sales, for the entire year, not just for a weekend. We're going to get into that. But first, though, for everybody who's been going through a tough season, a challenging season, feeling like, I see this a lot, and Christmas cards, and New Year's posts, and, you know, last year was so hard, and I want this to be a better year, etc., cetera. Et cetera. When the world is so confused and unstable and chaotic, why is it that we as Christians can live peacefully and find hope and comfort? Dr. Glenn Damon is going to join me here in just a moment to get into a conversation about his book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and we have a copy of the book we're giving away today here on Good News Friday. got two giveaways for you. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's get into it now. Part one of my conversation with Dr. Glenn Damon on today's Good News Friday edition at the bottom line. Today on The Bottom Line, we're going to talk about encouragement, we're going to talk about hope, and we're going to talk about where we find our security. Uh, Dr. Glenn Damon is with me once again here on the program to talk about a brand new book of his called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Dr. Glenn Damon, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's a joy
0: to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here. Glenn Damon has served as pastor of rural churches in Montana, Oregon, and Washington for the past 30 years now. Gosh we're going on 32. He has served as pastor of River Christian Church, and is also on the board of directors of village missions as a conference speaker, an author. And we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people maybe well, we, we we like the idea of knowing that we have, you know, God's character as our foundation, as our basis, but Sometimes in the world of cultural chaos it's easy to forget uh, why why do you think so many more Christians are having maybe anxiety about what's happening in the culture right now
1: Well certainly you know you look at what's going on in our culture and we are facing a tsunami of rapid change mm-hmm. you know I look I look back at my ministry and and think you know what the world was like when I started 30 some years ago and where it is today and if you had asked me back then, if we would be where we're at in terms of our culture and our morality today, I would have said, there's no way that can happen. Right. Uh, you know, and so, you know, with that, I think there there has brought a culture of fear in our, in our whole culture at large. Uh, you know, people are always afraid of change, but now you have this whole, really this dynamic of fear in our culture. Uh, you know, politics is driven by it, and uh, our culture is is hammered by it. And for the Christian, we get caught up in that that fear. Hmm. Uh, you know, we we fear what's going to happen to fear what's <clears throat> going to happen with our, with our children, our grandchildren. Uh, Vance Habner, he said this. He says, "Men love everything but righteousness, and fear everything but God." Hmm. It's wow. true not only in our broader culture, uh, <clears throat> but it's also true, I think, even as Christians. And it goes yeah. back to that we've lost sight of really the supremacy of God and that our security is not found in our politicians. It's not found in our culture. It's found in our relationship with God. And Amen. Uh, so, so that's where I think it starts. Uh, you know, and, and just seeing that, you know, God is sovereign. He's in control of all this. Uh, there's nothing that He's going, whoa, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You know. I, I was going to say th- list of things that God never said or never even crossed His mind. You know how that happened? Um, you know that, <laughs> that it's just it's not there, and yet. I'm talking with Glenn Damon today here on The Bottom Line about the lighthouse discovering security in the radiance of God's character. I, I think perhaps uh, it's a brilliant analogy, um, allegorical uh, reference to the fact that in the storms that we face in life, and if anybody has any even cursory knowledge of you know, the Pauline epistles or the, this, that, and the other thing, we understand that storms and the seafaring way uh kind of in addition to being God's perfect plan for the design for the world, um, it also gives us a chance to understand what it's like to live in a sin-based culture as Christians who are trying to navigate these seas. And the the idea of having a lighthouse that gives us our security— uh, is something that might be a new concept for some people who grew up in suburban areas where they don't really spend a lot of time, you know, taking a look at the seaboard and that type of thing. Talk about the importance of the lighthouse, if you will, not only metaphorically, but what it means for the seafaring folk.
1: Well, certainly, you know, when you think about before we had GPS and, and all that, uh, you know, that they were dependent upon the stars for their navigation. And if they were in a storm. And it's dark at night you know they had no way of knowing where they're at or where they're going and you know especially like the columbia bar and and things like that the columbia river bar that was extremely hazardous so it was that lighthouse that gave them their direction gave them their point of reference and and i think that's really where we're at today in our world we're we're looking for a point of reference uh and certainly when we're going through trials and difficulties, that's what we wrestle with. Uh, you know, we wrestle with what is, what is happening and why is this happening and where is God in all this? Uh, you know, and I look at what Paul says in, in Corinthians, and when he talks about his suffering, he says, you know, I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all of our afflictions. Now, I look at Paul and I think, okay, what's the difference between Paul and myself when I'm going through difficulties? It's not the circumstance Paul faced far worse than, you know, I can have ever faced in his adversity. But the difference is it's his theology, his mm. view of God. Yeah. That, that he had a view of God's greatness that says, you know, God's in control. I can yeah. rest in that.
0: I love you know, that, they, that that well, I love that image, Glenn. Um, we're talking with Glenn Damon for those who are just tuning in into or joining us at myhopenow.com. The Lighthouse is the new book, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. And this is a devotional book that, of sorts where you can read through this over the course of you know close to half a year and take a look at different attributes of God and in some cases, it's going to be discovering security. For others, it's going to be rediscovering. Glenn, something tells me that for many people who profess faith in Christ, they'll take a look at your book, and it will be discovering security for the first time, a security that they thought they had, but maybe it turned out to be a false security. Talk about why it's important for us to to understand that uh, uh, that that what that security really means, whether it's in the power of God, the wisdom, the knowledge, those types of attributes.
1: Well, you know, first of all, I think we're all on a journey on this uh you know i always say that when i get to heaven my first thought will be you know ah now i finally get it yeah why did i go so worried about all these things right but you know it's his character when we we really start to think about and dwell upon his character you know if, if god is big our problems become small when God becomes small, our problems become big. And when we minimize God's character or we uh, minimize even aspects of his character, what it does is it makes those problems seem overwhelming. Charles Spurgeon, in his one of his messages, said this. He said, uh, would you lose sorrow? Would you drown in your cares? Then go. Plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity, and, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. And, you know, And that's, I think, what we miss in our church today. We've lost that immersing ourselves in God's attributes uh, and resting in that because of who he is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, mm-hmm. I think we look at, uh, you know, I, I like to take pictures of the Milky Way because mm. you can capture the, the expanse of heaven that my older eyes especially can't see anymore.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, but, I do uh, that.
1: Yeah. But, you know, they, they've said, you know, that the furthest star out there now that they've just discovered is 28 billion light years away. Mm.
2: Mm. So
1: I, I did a little calculation, and I'm no scientist here, but uh, the speed of light is is if you go around the Earth seven times in a second, that's the speed of light now multiply that times 28 billion years wow and the the bible says that he measures the universe with the span of his hand Mm. if god is that big then don't you think he can also take care of us in the midst of our issues don't you think he can control this universe and accomplish what he wants to accomplish That even the circumstances that we're facing in life, uh, he's not only powerful enough, but he's wise enough to know what is the right outcome, what is the the best way to achieve that outcome, uh, and so we can trust in that. But but I think part of the problem is that, you know, as human beings, we look at life from the present, from a... uh, The present context god looks at it from an eternal context and we can't you know because we don't see beyond you know this moment so we don't know what the implications are for eternity god always looks at things from the eternal context and he says all things work together for good he doesn't say all things are good
0: right yes good point good distinction
1: yeah And, and nor is he the cause of evil but he is the orchestrator of it, that he can take it and still achieve his eternal purpose. So, what seems to us at the moment to be a tragic event or a difficult event, God looks at the outcome and he says, There's going to be good that comes out of this for eternity. You hmm. can't see it, but you got to trust that I, I can accomplish it. And, and that gives us, I think, that sense of hope.
0: It certainly does. Glenn Damon is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Pastor Glenn Damon is the author of a book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. I can't say enough about preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth the truth and the science, the truth and the science, and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion. The third option is adoption, and preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Glenn Damon is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. Pastor Glenn Damon is the author of a book called The Lighthouse: Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com. Um, yeah, you know, not only can we not see that far but we couldn't even comprehend it. I mean, it's just it's it's too too great and too yeah. wonderful for us. And yet we there are certain things that are of God that we can comprehend. And in a against a backdrop of a world that is losing its collective mind and soul, and I, and I don't mean that you know uh, hysterically. I think that's we would both agree if you look at that very rationally and logically, that's where we are. Uh, case in point, one of the things that gives us security is the truthfulness of God. You write about this in your new book, The Lighthouse. Talk about why the truthfulness of God really does give us security, especially when you hear the phrases, and I, I'll use the air quotes here, my truth and your truth and things like that. We know that that's not true when someone says, you know, that's your truth, but it kind of wears on us after a while, does it not, Glenn Damon? Well, yeah, well, that's a
1: question that I think the church is wrestling with today is that with this new morality, they're they're accepting that we're more enlightened today than we are. And there's nothing new under the sun. Right. But what is constant is God is not only a God of truth, so he always communicates truth, but he cannot be associated with anything that is false.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when he puts his stamp of approval on the, the scriptures, and he says that these individuals spoke for me, it will be true. And so the words that he gave 2000 years ago uh, are just as true because he's the author and they're just as true for us today as it was back then. So morality doesn't change because morality is grounded in the unchanging God. Right. And so when we look at the world around us with all that's, uh change in the the shifting of morality we can go back to scripture and say this doesn't change not because I believe that but because God says it and it's not my thoughts it's not me being wise it's I trust in the living God who is able to communicate his truth without error uh, to us so that we can know morality.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm talking with uh, pastor and author Glenn Damon today here on The Bottom Line. Dr. Damon is the author of the book called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. And we have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Glenn, you have an entry in this book that I think might revolutionize society. When I think about the crisis of what we call fatherlessness here in the United States and, and seemingly all around the world, and how society is basically unraveling right now in a secular sense. I mean, obviously, those of us who have a firm foundation in Christ, we we watch this happening and, and, and wonder what the resolution is. Talk about why the fatherhood of God brings us security in a culture, especially where you see fatherlessness at an all-time high.
1: Well, I think... I didn't really. You don't really understand that concept until you become a dad. Yeah. yeah. When I became a father, then I began to really grasp what he's trying to convey. Because I look at my children, and you know, I would do anything for my children. Right. I would. I would lay down my life at a moment's notice for my children, mm-hmm. uh, and nothing can ever change that. It doesn't matter if my children are walking in obedience to me. It doesn't matter if they're going down a pathway that, that I disagree with and making decisions that, that I don't agree with. I'm still their dad, and I will always be their father. And so when, when God conveys that, I think he's, he's conveying to us the deep love that he has for us and, mm. and the, the care that he gives us. But then he even takes it a, a step further. Not only does he give us that care as a father, but then he says we're now co heirs with Christ. Amen. That we are elevated into that position of being his his son with an equal status uh, that Christ has. And I don't fully understand that. I'm mm-hmm. uh, first to admit that that boggles my mind. but that's how much he cares for us. And that's the privilege he's given us. And and that's why I think the angels have got to be in heaven, just sitting there going, what, what did Mm -hmm. he do there? Because here's puny man, this speck upon this little planet that, uh, that he is now elevating to the position of being his sons and his daughters. And and that's our security. And that never changes. He will love us uh, and be our father, no matter what.
0: I love that. I love that aspect about him and what you think of what what kind of transformative power it has. Not only in our own lives, we benefit from it once we become uh, grafted in, if you will, into the family of God. But then how it, it plays out in, in us going and doing likewise. And part of the proclamation of the gospel is uh, it involves sharing about his heart for us. I mean, his sovereignty, his fatherhood, nature, and uh, it really is a. It really is a joy. I, we talk about this book, The Lighthouse, by uh, Dr. Glenn Damon, who's my guest today here on The Bottom Line, discovering security in the radiance of God's character. Um, there's a passage of scripture in the Psalms that I love, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desire of your heart. And I remember that aha moment for me when I was leading, a, uh, it was a Bible study for a bunch of high school kids, and we were going around the room asking, you know, what that meant. And, you know, the kids were acting, answering like kids, Right. I love God, so God's going to give me what I want. Was kind of the uh, that was the, the the basic answer, the summarization, and being able to share and say, "No, look, it's kind of a circular passage. If you delight yourself in the Lord, and He will grant you the desire of your heart, because you've delighted yourself in the Lord, and now the desires of your heart are what He wants," and et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of people in the culture that we're in right now are having a hard time, especially, dare I say, in the Western uh, world, even in the United States, where it seemed like the church got what it wanted. And we were delighting ourselves in the Lord, but now it seems like we keep running into legal problems and cultural challenges. And talk about why delighting in God really does help us discover the security we have in him. Well, I think you're
1: right that we tend to view that passage as a blank check, and it's not, because the desire of your heart, if you delight in him, the desire of your heart will be him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, A.W. Tozer, Uh, makes this statement he says faith is not one and done it's not a one and done act uh, but a continual gaze at the heart of the triune god Mm. Mm. and and i think the the wonder of of god is that he invites us to have a relationship with him that the story of of his redemptive work is a story of of him wanting a relationship with us where we can get to know him and just delight in him. And when he becomes that delight, all of a sudden, everything else is is insignificant. You know, Paul says, you know, I count all things lost that I may know Christ and be found in him. And that's, I think, what we get caught up in the the blessing of God rather than the delight of God. And, and, And I think that affects our worship even. Sometimes in our worship, we tend to worship and praise him for what he's done for us right and really we need to focus on let's praise him for who he is amen because that's the greatest thing of all yeah Uh, you know and and that's why paul could rejoice in the midst of his sufferings because he says you know i counted all joy that and and he says you know it's been granted to me a privilege to suffer on behalf of christ Mm. and to fill up what is lacking in the suffering of christ Uh, He says, "I, I count that as a joy. Why? Because his object was not on his present circumstance. His object was on the wonder of his relationship with God and who God was, and that was his joy.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, this has been such a delightful conversation with Dr. Glenn Damon. Uh, the book is called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Glenn, take the last 60 seconds of our time together and kind of give us a, a, a that takeaway nugget, if you will. This is kind of like your chance to do the benediction here with regard to the radiance of God's character and the, the divine security that actually gives us in a very unsettling and changing world.
1: Well, I'll I'll quote Charles Spurgeon. Uh, He said, the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy that can ever engage the attention of the child of God is the name, the nature, the work, and the doing and the existence of our great God whom we call our Father. Mm. And I think no better statement other than what you find in Scripture. But Mm -hmm. uh, that To me, is my desire in the book is that as people read the book, they wouldn't look at the book, but they'll look at the God in the Bible and really begin to rejoice in Him.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, what a a great resource to have, and we're grateful to be able to feature it up at TheBottomLineShow.com. The Lighthouse is the name of the book, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. We have a link for it up at TheBottomLineShow.com, as I just mentioned. Dr. Glenn Damon, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line.
1: Okay, thanks for having me.
0: Great conversation and a great encouraging book too. Again, it's called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the Radiance of God's Character by Dr. Glenn Damon. We do have a copy of this book that we're giving away today at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Some final thoughts on this whole lighthouse theory coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Dr. Glenn Damon for joining me here on this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. His book is outstanding and it's perfect for this time of year, especially maybe if you've been going through a season where you're feeling a little insecure in your faith and you wonder why all the rest of your Christian friends have this calm, peaceful demeanor. Or maybe you know somebody who's really struggling either as a christian or a church-going person or perhaps i mean we we like to say in our household god's been shaking the tree a lot recently and he wants to see what kind of fruit is on the tree still growing what kind of fruit is ready to be harvested that should be you know picked and enjoyed and what kind of fruit is just dead and falling off and as god continues to shake the trees of faith in in our lives what kind of fruit is coming off of those trees when they get shaken the book, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character will help you find comfort and hope and security in this crazy, unstable world that we're living in. And we have a copy that we're giving away today here on this Good News Friday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Dr. Glenn Damon spent a lot of time in his year his, Ministry years, uh, serving in rural congregations in Montana, Oregon, Utah, etc. He knows what it's like to see people. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, I'm feeling really down right now because I didn't get a raise this year. Or, I mean, let's face it, the cost of living has gone up about 20% since the current administration took office. And if you have not seen your pay increase by 20%, you're feeling those pains. But when you get down to somebody who's living in the rural area and they don't have a lot to work with and they start talking about uncertainty... That's raw and that's real. Not that your pain isn't if you're going through an uncomfortable time with financials right now. And that's just one of many areas. But the essence of our life in Christ is that Jesus Christ is the lighthouse for us in the storms of life. We've got a copy of Glenn Damon's book, Up for Grabs, at 800-227-5278. On the other side of this break, some really good news at the box office this year. A faith-based film in the top 10 for the entire year. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues.
2: Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest, so if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be up front with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R.
0: Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall, a little overmodulated here, but uh, that's because I'm excited. I mean, Good News Fridays are always wonderful days. Uh, special thanks to everyone who's been helping us with the k- pre born campaign. The contributions still keep coming in. Most people are donating online, and we're grateful. We don't have a special match in place just yet. Um, But it's still, I mean, as we come up on, this is Sanctity of Life Month. Of course, Monday the 22nd is the, uh, would have been the 51st anniversary of the passing of Roe versus Wade. But now we celebrate, (laughs) instead of commemorating January 22nd, uh, 1973, remembering the day that the Supreme Court uh, gave women the legal right to kill their babies in the womb. um, What's interesting about that decision, of course, is that, there were a number of states that went ahead and had legislation legalizing abortion anyway, but many others did not. Many passed legislation saying if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned, it's kind of an interesting situation. You had Supreme Court precedent, which is highest court in the land, but there was never a federal law legalizing abortion. And so when Roe passed and then there was the Doe versus Bolton case that went along with it. As a matter of fact, uh, I was at Jane Roe. Uh, uh, in in the there's roe versus wade jane roe but then doe versus Bolton. we actually had the woman who was doe uh, on the bottom line show when we first started um then there was the planned parenthood versus versus casey decision in the 1990s where a lot of pro-lifers were hopeful that we would overturn roe versus wade and it did not unfortunately the supreme court got that one wrong too but then with dobbs versus jackson um, in mississippi that case went to the supreme court and basically remember dobbs was only a case where Mississippi legislature wanted to have this measure passed that and upheld that would allow that they could cut off abortions after 15 weeks. And, you know, I mean, when you think about it, that's well into the second trimester. The majority of abortions happen in first trimester. So if you're an abortion supporter, a 15-week ban should not concern you. But if you're the typical American abortion supporter, then it does. And the reason is because any restriction on abortion to progressives means women are losing their rights and democracy is in peril. I mean, quite frankly, as pro-lifers, we should have looked at jobs and said, OK, well, that's good. But 15 weeks, I mean, no. I mean, that's, it should be more like 10 weeks or six weeks or no weeks. But, you know, I mean, people are going to do what they're going to do. I'm realistic about this. I would love to see a ban on abortion. But I know that people are always going to get abortions. They were getting them before they were legal. Uh, just because you change it doesn't mean people aren't still going to seek abortions, and they're going to seek ways around the law. Well, the law talks about surgical abortion, but it doesn't talk about medical. And you remember, medical used to be called chemical, but that sounded too horrible. Now, medical sounds like the woman's getting medical treatment. And we learned during uh, the, the the during the whole Dobbs case that the uh, ab- and, and now when w- you've got this abortion reversal, the abortion pill reversal pills that you can take, and the left, of course, are fighting against those as well. I mean. <laughs> You know what's amazing about that is we learned that the reason RU486, the French abortion pill, was first legalized here in the United States, the U.S. government, you're gonna talk about sinister, and this is during the Bill Clinton administration. The U.S. government got the CDC to reclassify abortion as a medical condition. Literally, that pregnancy was a medical condition that needed a cure and that RU486 was a cure. That's how they legally got around this. If you wonder how on earth can they keep doing this, that's how they did it. This is why when you look at the law and the letter of the law, a lot of times the letter of the law is really jacked up. But not only did they do that, they also convinced the manufacturers of RU-486 to grant the United States government and the United States pharmaceutical industry basically free reign with how to reproduce this pill. In other words, typically, I mean, it's a business, right? You, you do the research, you spend hundreds of millions of dollars testing out medications, what works, what doesn't, you do clinical trials. Once it is approved, and it was approved in France in the 1990s or whatever, the US government then put the pedal to the metal and said, hey, look, you got this, we have a medical emergency here in the US, air quotes, and you need to give us RU486 with no royalties where we don't have to pay you for it, where our pharmaceutical companies can make it, manufacture it, sell it, and make all the profit because we need this. And they did it. So for the past 25 years, what you've seen in the United States is the so-called medical abortion pill, which basically is a two-step approach. What the first step is you starve the, take one pill that starves the baby. The second pill convinces mom's body, who's in there saying, wait, we're pregnant. We don't let this body out. This human being until the human being's ready to grow, that pill says no, no, no. Here you go, mom. We're going to force that all the way out because it's crazy, it's nuts. Now you've got Alliance defending freedom, fighting against that, which is good. You have Dobbs versus Jackson, which overturned Roe versus Wade, and it basically split the United States. About half of the states in the U.S. have legalized abortion, and it, it maybe like here in the People's Republic of California, it's constitutionally protected. And same with Colorado. Same, with All the states that carry the bottom line show. We're uh, we're about ready to go on in a different state, a new state in the South. I don't think they are as pro-abortion as the other states. So it would be nice to get a red state <laughs> carrying the bottom line show. We're out in so many blue states. But God bless you. I mean, if, I, I'm grateful that if you're a conservative person who lives in a blue state and you listen to the bottom line show, thank you. Thank you for supporting us. That's why we've been able to grow. But this whole issue with uh, you know what's happening there's the battle for the states' rights, and then there is a group like Preborn that basically is blowing the lid off of what happens in abortion clinics. And the reason they're doing so, or the way they're able to do so, is with ultrasound machines. I mean, <laughs> the hidden camera, right? And we're not talking about Center for Medical Progress behind the scenes hidden camera. We're talking about a woman getting a sonogram, getting an ultrasound machine image of the preborn child in the womb. And then being given the information that she needs to make the best decision possible. And last year, here on the Bottom Line Show, we raised over $100,000 toward that because $28 per ultrasound appointment. There were hundreds of babies saved that way. And then Bottom Line Show listeners donated, I want to say between sixty dollars and $75,000 for the purchase of ultrasound machines. And that's incredible. And remember that every dollar donated to pre-born through the Bottom Line Show goes to ultrasound technology, either to the purchase of machines or to the ultrasound appointments. And in the process, over 10,000 women came to faith in Christ. So if you have any question about what kind of organization pre-born is, they are preaching the gospel and doing the Bible study type of curriculum as part of the nearly two years worth of follow-up a woman gets once she becomes part of pre-born. It doesn't cost her anything, by the way. Our $28 donations make that possible. And I, I mentioned that there are a lot of people who are donating. We have people donating $5 a month, which is great. We have people making two and $3,000 donations. That's great as well. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. But most people are giving their gifts online. Going to Radio, k-b-r-i-t-e-radio.com, and, for, and look for the preborn banner. I have it linked at my personal site as well, rogermarsh.com. That's R-O-G-E-R-M-A-R-S-H. .com, and I know a lot of people find that a little bit easier just because it doesn't take as long to type my name in. Uh, Lisa and I do the monthly donation. Um, we had been donating, uh, what's the dollar? It's $28 a month, 56 uh, 100 and I can't do the math off the top of my head. Um, whatever, $56, $84, um, and then 112 because we have four grandchildren. So once a month we make a $112 donation provides four more appointments and completely tax deductible now starting march 12th we're going to have to up that to five and then in april we're going to have to up to six because we have two more grandkids on the way but it's a great way to remember if you got if you want to do it by number of kids number of grandkids i know dennis wilson at wilson financial um is is donating toward the pre-born uh, this past year he gave gifts in in lieu of, in the name of all of his, he's got eight kids and 18 grandkids and like four great-grandchildren. That's a big check every month, but Dennis does that. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be making a special announcement uh, regarding preborn um, and Wilson Financial uh, coming up here later in the month with regard to uh, Dennis. And if, if you are a supporter of Wilson Financial, if you are a client of Dennis Wilson's, uh, they're going to be making donations on your behalf as well. So go to kbrightradio.com. Hit the preborn banner. You'll see a couple of babies there, or maybe one baby. We change the banner from time to time. And make your best donation. $28 will save one life, uh, and 280 will save 10. Statistically, 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound. Well, there are three options when you do so. Option number one is the woman says, okay, I'm, a, I'm pregnant. I'm going to be a mother. Option number two in most abortion clinics is, yeah, you're going to have an abortion because you don't want to have a baby. But option number three that doesn't get talked about in the abortion clinics that does get talked about at pre-born clinics is adoption. And it's amazing. 85% of the women who go to preborn. Figure for every 100 women who go to a preborn clinic today, 85 of them will choose life for their child after seeing that ultrasound. I'd like to see us push that up to 90, if we could, or even 95. But KBrightRadio.com, look for the preborn banner. A $28 donation saves a life, a $280 donation saves 10. And you can do the math there. By the way, if you'd like to donate a a complete ultrasound machine, that's $15,000. But those ultrasound machines can do they can do 250 ultrasounds per year for a minimum of 10 years. So when you talk about amortization, take $15,000, divide it by 2500 and you can see how little it costs and how many lives could be saved with that investment. 833-850-BABY or go to kbrightradio.com. OK, uh, we'll, we'll take a break here on this Good News Friday as we continue. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to see the movie Sound of Freedom if you haven't done so already. And the reason I want to encourage you to see the movie Sound of Freedom if you haven't done so already is what I'm going to share on the other side of this break because the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I encourage you before the break to make a donation to Preborn, but I also encourage you to see the movie Sound of Freedom. Now, many bottom line listeners have, and uh, it's a fantastic film. What it has done, though, is really just kind of rattled Hollywood's cage. 25 years ago, to show you how long, A, I've been in the business, but B, how much this has progressed. About 25 years ago or so, maybe closer to 30, I was at the Christian Booksellers Association convention in Orlando, Florida, and I was interviewing Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. Now, you've heard Jerry. Jerry's been a regular on The Bottom Line show for years, and his son, Dallas Jenkins, of course, is the creator of The Chosen. Jerry and Tim had written a book called Left Behind, and it became a runaway bestseller. They wound up doing 12 of these left-behind novels. Simply put, it was a novel a fictionalized, or Jerry used to call it faction, where you tell a fictionalized story with all factual information. It was a factionalized account of the Book of Revelation and Rayford Steele and the, all the, 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 those characters. Now, the books were selling so well, they wound up selling something like 62 million copies of the books. You divide that by 12 books, and a sequel and a prequel and a couple other things they were still selling four to five million copies per release it was phenomenal so of course the next question was when is this going to be on the big screen and so they of course were the rightful owners of the rights to the movie left behind or what would be the, the movie and they were negotiating, and they were in the middle of negotiating with a number of different people. And there was one group at the time that used to make these direct-to-video movies that you'd only show in churches, and they were all kind of apocalyptic. And they were they spent very little, it seemed like, producing them, but they knew that there would be a Christian audience that would you know pay to show them at their church and whatever. And so they, I remember interviewing Tim and Jerry for one of the, the novels. We were in Orlando. I don't remember which year it was for the novel, but I do remember the city. And I was asking him how the negotiations were going. And they said, well, as long as we don't deal with this one company, we're gonna be fine because we envision this on the big screen. And we were sitting there and remember fax machines? I mean, I think people still use them, but remember how the fax paper used to come off and it was kind of vellum type of thing that would curl up and it would just kind of fall apart. One of their assistants interrupted the interview and said, excuse me, I, I have to give this to Tim and Jerry, handed them a fax and the fax basically said, accepted the offer or whatever this company was going to put up 30 million dollars to make the first left behind book into a novel a novel into a movie and they were super excited And i thought boy this is going to be great i can't wait to see it well then legal battles ensued and they started making it and they the company said oh no well, that was for the whole series all 12 books not just for one and yeah we're going to go direct a video first and then to the big it was just a debacle left behind's been made and remade i think three different times there's one with kirk cameron They went to the big screen and didn't really do much. There was one with uh, uh, Nicolas Cage. I remember seeing that in theaters, and that was was tough. And then they just made one with Kevin Sorbo. It it never really took off. But it got a lot of people in the body of Christ hungry for a faith-based film that would conquer Hollywood. And a few years after the first Left Behind movie came out, there had been a lot of Christian movies made for years. But there was this small independent film from Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, called uh, facing the giants alex and stephen kendrick's movie and through word of mouth and i mean they made the movie for like five hundred thousand dollars tons of volunteers they uh, it, it was a fun movie anybody who lived in the southeast and like football was going to love this movie and they wound up releasing it on the big screen and i want to say it grossed maybe five million dollars or something but it was huge impact it's been translated I mean it's been dubbed into like 50 or 100 different languages it's gone international so then the next one which was fireproof which is the Kirk Cameron movie about the firefighter who's his wife were having a tough time and you know there's the whole love dare thing and then there was courageous and Went on from there well then you've got kevin and bobby downs who kind of jumped on board and started making some films that made some noise and then uh, john and andrew irwin the irwin brothers made october baby and then mom's night out and then they got into i can only imagine and i still believe and then the kendricks came back with war room and overcomer and it was just a really great time for christian films and these movies every now and again if you released it like in late august or early october Catch them on a down weekend in Hollywood and they could make it into the top 10, maybe the top five for a couple of days. I think War Room at one point wound up being number one for a couple of days. But never the kind of impact that we saw, even the Jesus Revolution that came out last February was great film, but even that one did not have the impact on Hollywood the way the movie Sound of Freedom did from Angel Studios sound of freedom starring tim caviezel playing tim ballard uh, the uh, former government agent who quit his job working for the uh, department of homeland security or whatever it was to rescue a kid from sex traffickers in the colombian jungle he wound up rescuing over 100 individuals including 55 kids from modern day slavery and uh, it's interesting because um i remember we did a special we were targeting sex trafficking for a long time uh, in 2014 2015 here on the bottom line show and when the documentary about tim's organization came out it was very 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 well received we wound up uh, sponsoring a sold out show here in southern california and it was great but uh but tim's testimony then they started working on this movie sound of freedom about a year or two afterwards eduardo vestuji um, who played jesus and one of the, he's been a guest on the bottom line show jim caviezel starred as tim ballard he's been a guest the movie got done around 2019 and then covid hit and no one was releasing big screen stuff the streaming services didn't want to take it angel studio picked it up in early 2023 and decided let's do a pre-release where we'll get some influencers all excited about it we're going to release it on the fourth of july which is a tuesday which is usually a good movie day but a name like sound of freedom maybe we'll catch some people thinking oh it's patriotic this that and the other thing well it's a different kind of freedom than we think about on july 4th they did a pre-sale campaign And wound up selling something like $10 million worth of tickets in pre-sale. They started this unique pay it forward campaign where you could buy tickets online for yourself, but then you could also buy a pair and leave it like in a little uh, gift box type of thing on their website so people could log on. And if they didn't have the means to pay for a ticket, they could download a pair of tickets and go see the show. Because it was so popular... Sound of Freedom wound up being released on over 3,400 screens. The opening weekend was phenomenal. It stayed in theaters for a couple of months. It eventually went international. Um, Two and a half months worth of playing, Sound of Freedom uh, wound up doing great box office. As a matter of fact, it finished at $184,178,046. Here's what makes this so interesting this is the first time that i can ever recall a faith-based film actually landing in the top 10 for the entire year of movies now god's not dead did like 75 80 million i can only imagine did around 90 or 100 million sound of freedom did 184 million as a matter of fact it was so successful remember taylor swift well you know taylor swift is the pop star she was a country star she's larger than life in, in the popular music world she had a movie that came out called it was taylor swift the eras tour it was released in october it was on 3855 screens nationwide it's about 400 more a little more than 10 percent more of the screen total now sound of freedom was in theaters for about six months off and on taylor swift was only in there for about three but taylor swift's era the eras tour only grossed one hundred seventy nine thousand six hundred fifty million dollars So you know what that means? That means that Sound of Freedom beat Taylor Swift, and it also beat the Indiana Jones movie. The fifth installment of Indiana Jones, which played in up to 4,600 theaters, was the 12th highest grossing film, 174,480. So what does this mean for us as Christians? On the other side of this break, I want to take a look at the type of story that was told in Sound of Freedom and why it's important for us to pay attention to that. Talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. I can't say enough about preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth the truth and the science, the truth and the science, and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion. The third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a Preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one-time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Wrapping up the week and this uh, half hour segment here with a look at the movie Sound of Freedom, the good news is that for the first time in recorded history, a faith-based film finished in the top 10 of motion picture releases for the entire year, not just for one weekend or for one month. Sound of Freedom grossed $184 million and change, That put it in 10th ahead of Taylor Swift, The Era's Tour, which was in 11th, and Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny, which came in 12th. Sound of Freedom was on fewer screens. Indiana Jones was on 4,600. Taylor Swift was on 3,800. Sound of Freedom only got up to 3,400. Sound of Freedom had a lot of tickets that were purchased for other people, too. They were giveaways. They were freebies. But the story of Sound of Freedom, it is a faith-based movie that tells the story of children being rescued from sex trafficking it's not a pretty picture but it's a grim reality now when we tell a story like i can only imagine it's a very inspiring story about bart millard who's the lead singer of the band called mercy me he wrote this song for his dad who was dying they had recently been reconciled um, in christian faith they'd been in an abusive relationship when he was growing up bart wrote the song about what it, must be like for his dad to be what he's experiencing in heaven he wrote the song he pitched it to Amy Grant Amy Grant was going to record it and release it and she said no Bart you should do it it's more personal and that movie crossed over big time a lot of people who grew up in homes with dad was an alcoholic of her said yeah I love this movie it really spoke to me I'm not a Christian but it really spoke to me most faith-based movies have what our friends at Billy Graham Association would say a meaningful conversion experience and Sound of Freedom does not Sound of Freedom tells the story of a man who is using biblical principles to rescue the least of these. Jim Caviezel is a strong Catholic. From what I understand, Angel Studios is based in Utah, has connections to the LDS organization. But they aimed to tell a biblical story of redemption and showing the value, basically, uh, what is it? the, uh, The great tagline where Jim Caviezel says, God's children are not for sale. Is this the kind of movie that the culture needs? Trust me, I am a big believer, a firm believer that everything that we do, especially in the media, needs to have a proper proclamation of the gospel and a proper delineation between law and gospel. Simply put, that means people need to understand that God is a just God, but he's also a merciful God that we are sinners and he is holy. Ultimately, he's the standard. Even though more than half of the United States population now doesn't believe that, that doesn't make it untrue. God is the standard. God made you and me and he created us in such a way that he wanted to have fellowship with us, but he, as a holy and righteous God, cannot have fellowship with the unholy and the unrighteous. So the only hope for us is to believe that his son, Jesus Christ, came to pay the penalty for our sin that his, his death, his blood, washes away our sin like it never happened and pays the penalty for it in full. If we believe that Jesus Christ did that for us, which we can only do by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can only have that belief. The gift of faith gives us enables us to enact the gift of salvation. Then we will repent, we'll be baptized into the church, we'll be believers. I'm not saying you have to be baptized to become a Christian. I'm saying that you will be compelled to the waters of baptism when you do have that transformation of the heart. That element has to be in all of everything that we're doing from now until the Lord returns. But here's the key when it comes to a movie like this, you ask the question, just as I started at the beginning of this half hour, our ministry connection with preborn. Is preborn preaching the gospel by showing women ultrasounds of their babies? Absolutely. Does it give them the opportunity to explain that this baby is created perfectly impure but will be born into an impure world? Absolutely. That taking the life of that child is sin? Absolutely. But then what's the solution? The solution is either the loving arms of parents or the loving arms of ad- arms of adoption parents. And those adoptive parents literally become the hands and feet of Jesus for these kids. Our movies, our media, our words need to be seasoned with the kind of salt that will motivate people and spur people on to seek uh, some kind of revision to the error of the, their sinful ways. We can't be unloving and unkind not to show people that good news. But the good news is the gospel is available to all who will hear it, believe it, and receive it. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. For those who remain on the network, coming up next, we have a great opportunity for you to understand why it is you want to be in heaven so badly. It doesn't mean that you want to end your life, but it means you can't wait it be with the Lord? What does that mean? Author Amy Beck Lee is going to talk about that with us coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh and we're giving stuff away again uh, today here on the second Good News Friday of 2024. Um, author Amy Beck Lee, that's B A I K, has written a book that I. it's fascinating because there are so many people who ask the question, why is it that I basically long to be in heaven with the Lord, but there's nothing, you know, depressed about me. There's nothing, I mean, I'm not thinking about an ending at all, but why do I have that longing and that yearning and has it gotten even more intense as you get older, as the world gets crazier? Amy has a very powerful story to share. Uh, that actually received the gospel coalition award of distinction in 2023 for best book by a first time author the book is called this homeward ache how our yearning for the life to come spurs on our life today there's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and i'll let you know before we get into our conversation that we do have a copy of this book that we're giving away today 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a conversation about something that is, well, that uh, I guess the best way to describe it is a yearning. Something that each of us as Christians have in our hearts, and sometimes we're more aware of it than others. Maybe especially as we get older, we begin to realize that we have that yearning for something more than just what's happening around us. And the question, I guess, is uh, uh, what are we yearning for? What are we looking for? Amy Beckley is a member artist of the Anselm Society Arts Guild, a contributing writer to The Rabbit Room and The Cultivating Project. Um, She has a master's degree in English from the University of Virginia. And uh, right now she uh, is enjoying, I believe, still working out of her uh, home office in the state, beautiful state of Colorado. Our KLTT listeners and KLDC listeners will definitely agree with that. She's written a book that has a really provocative title, and that's part of what drew me to this book. It's called The Homeward Ache* how our yearning for the life to come spurs on our life today. We have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Amy Beck Lee, welcome to The Bottom Line Show.
3: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And if you are Googling, it's B-A-I-K that spells Beck. Where, where does that originate from?
3: It's um, It's Korean.
0: Okay, very good. Okay, well, that, that is definitely good to know. And uh, again, we have a lot of people who like to Google and do their own research. So I wanted to save them the time. They're going, B-E-C-K, where's Amy? I don't find her here anywhere. So let's get that. Let's talk about, wh- what was it? Was there a, a catalyst moment for you, Amy, that uh, spurred you on to say, uh, why is it that we have these yearnings and how much of them are just emotional and sentimental and how much of them are spiritual? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I would say
3: there was probably a series of catalyst events where um, I had a certain experience, I think I describe it well. I describe it as a piercing sort of longing in the mm-hmm. book that happened throughout childhood and youth and um, into early adulthood, and I couldn't really put my finger on what it was coming from or what the nature of it really was until I came across C.S. Lewis who mm-hmm. talked about Zane Zucht, or he took this term from German romanticism, but he was talking about an inconsolable longing that we have, yeah. which um, to me speaks of the eternity that God has placed in our hearts, as Scripture mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. So um, as that happened throughout my life, and then I came into communities where people were talking about it and could relate in conversations about it, um, the moment that I knew that I wanted to write a book was when I kept hearing people saying, well, I know what the longing is, and I feel it, but what do you do with it? Is it supposed Mm. to do something more than just stop you occasionally, and then you go on with the rest of your life as if nothing else has happened?
0: Mm -hmm. And how many Christians do that? You know, you're saved by grace through faith and grafted into the family of God. You're told that heaven is your eternal home, and then just go back about your business and keep occupying it until until the Lord calls us home. You're encouraging us to say, hey, no, wait a minute. I mean, this homeward longing is supposed to do more than just make us miss our home in the same way that, uh, you know, people, I think a lot of times we kind of call, just chalk it up to spiritual homesickness. Is that a fair way to describe Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, That's right.
3: Yes. I think we stop there sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah. How, how do we get past it? I mean, talk about what you were hoping to accomplish in the book, because I think you, you did a really good job of laying out this whole problem. But uh, uh, kind of give us your, your personal take on where you were with that and moving in that yeah, direction. Thank
3: you. That's very kind. Um, I guess what I'm hoping to do with the book was in part one to kind of get on the level of people who know that longing and tell my own story of how um, my experiences have gone with it. And then part two is a collection of essays talking about how living with that longing has gone on to affect all the different areas of my life, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was trying to tell individual stories of um, what it's done, how it's changed my attitude and my heart and my curiosity in terms of what God has really promised for us. And it's not just a nebulous idea of heaven, but it's a full restoration. And it is a concrete heaven and earth that is to come um and so i'd say really just that effect playing out into my life is mm-hmm. what i'm hoping to walk with the reader in mm-hmm.
0: Amy Beckley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and her book is called The Homeward Ache, How Our Yearning for the Life to Come Spurs on Our Life Today. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, a lot of people have a, an immigration story, so they can they can look back and say, oh yeah, I remember what it was like, or what well, my parents or my grandparents went through, and that's about as far as it goes. For others, I mean, I literally, I, I've, I've traveled to half the United States, but that's primarily just for business, you know, <laughs> the occasional vacation, mm-hmm. but California has occupied the, the, the all of my adult life. To help someone like me mm-hmm. who has heard about these, and that's kind of anecdotal, understand what it's like for someone who is living not only as a spiritual exile, obviously we're Christians wandering through this world until our time in heaven arrives, but how that kind of journey can fuel that the level of expectation, the level of anticipation, you know, help us understand what that's like.
3: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think if you have the privilege of having been exposed to more than one culture, and it is also a gift, I would say, to be rooted in a certain place for a long time, but if you have the privilege of being exposed to multiple cultures and languages and ways of doing things, then I think it can help you start to distinguish between what it means to be homesick for a place Uh, but also to have a homesickness that's rooted in you simply from the fact of your being human and Mm. feeling the reverberations of the fallout of Eden. Um, And I think that's kind of what's happened with me over the years. Mm.
2: Um,
3: And also to see the glory of God as it's displayed in different people groups and the different characters that those people groups bear and the beauty that you see in them, I think that can be a very wonderful gift.
0: Yeah, talk about that for your personal experience. I mean, what's it been like for you to, to come to that realization?
3: Yeah, uh, for me, it's been an interesting experience because I moved to Korea when I was in middle school, which is not a time when you really are <laughs> um, putting any priority on being exposed to other people because you just don't want people to notice you. Right. And you want to fit in with your surroundings. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it was actually quite a difficult time for me to be in Korea and to be just, you know, kind of plopped into this pool of language and culture and and mores and norms that I was expected to know, but -hmm. had to pick up along the way. And so when I left Korea six years later, I kind of did it with the attitude of somebody wanting to be washed clean of all of it and not have to deal with it anymore. Mm -hmm. But it's really the Lord, I think, in the last few years who has turned me around and gotten me to look at that time in a different way Mm -hmm. um, and gotten me to look at it in terms of looking for him. Where was he? How did I see... Um, his character, how did I see his mercy, how did I see mm-hmm. his beauty and the people there and um, and I've, I'm still in the middle of that, it's an ongoing process but I'm really grateful that he's taking me through that second stage of the journey
0: Yeah, what led you there in the first place?
3: Um for this round, I think it was my daughter's curiosity. I have two girls, um, mm-hmm. and they were curious about where they came from, and they mm-hmm. and I was telling them about family history,
2: mm-hmm. and that
3: made me uh, go back in my mind to memories, but also to uh, a kind of a broader view of the culture that I come from.
0: Mm hmm. How interesting. I mean, and how fortunate to be able to do that, you know, especially when there's that much uh, uh, difference. I was uh, acquainted with the guy uh, years ago who was uh, adopted uh, by uh, out of a Korean family. Uh, He was in Korea and he wound up in Wisconsin. And uh, he was talking Mm -hmm. about the first time the family kind of surrounded him basically with love. But they also said, "Okay, we got to figure out your story. And he said, well, what do you mean? You know, I mean, he was five or six when he was adopted. They said, no, we have to figure out the story that we're sharing with other people because everyone's going to come at you and they're going to want to know, you know, why is this kid named Kim, you know, walking around here, you know, doing this stuff. And <laughs> he looks a lot different than everybody else and we don't really understand it. But he said he really under—he began to appreciate the love of his family, but also the love of God, you know, being grafted in that way because he had the two wildly yeah. different cultures, you know, between Seoul yeah. and Madison, you know, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> it, must be, it must have been a real trip for your kids to be able to go go and see their Korean heritage a little bit, come back here, and then kind of put it into spiritual connotation. How old are your daughters, if you don't mind me asking?
3: Uh, Yeah, they are 13 and 10. We actually haven't been physically yet. Um, This was just in being at home and getting to talk to the stories. uh, Uh
0: But they will. I I I know they will. They, if, they yes, with, if they don't go with, if they don't go with mom you. and dad, they're going to go on their own. I something tells me they've got that. That the, the, we're going to light the fire here. Uh, we're talking with Amy Beckley yeah. today here on the Bottom Line. B A I K is how you spell that middle name. Uh, the Homeward Ache is the name of the book. How our yearning for the life to come spurs on our life today. We have a link for the book up at the Bottom We'll take a quick break here, and when we continue, we'll talk more about some living homeward, uh, from moving from homeward longing to living homeward. We'll talk about that coming up next as the. Bottom Bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain.
1: So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out, so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account, and then while you're on the phone, and ask about our accounts that are based even higher amounts for funds over 250000
0: Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Amy Beck Lee is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. That's Amy B A I K Lee, and if you are Googling along, we'll put a link up for all of her information up at thebottomlineshow.com. Her brand new book is called *The Homeward Ache: How Our Yearning for the Life to Come Spurs on Our Life Today*, and we have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It is kind of—it's a little daunting, Amy. You have one of your essays in the book uh, on living as an exile, and it's a little daunting, I think, when we as Christians—we don't think of ourselves that way. I've got a fan. I've got a home. There's a country that I'm a part of. You know, I've got organizations. I don't think of myself as being in exile. But when you talk about the living homeward, you know, uh, mindset, uh, that that that's a huge part of it. Talk about that for just a moment, how that plays into this homeward ache that you're writing about.
3: Sure. I think knowing, uh, starting out talking about the homeward, the homeward ache, I needed I knew I needed to address that feeling that we have of being exiles, and that Scripture acknowledges that we are indeed strangers and exiles on this earth. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I, I go into a little bit about how an Old English text helps me understand that and understand the practice of lament as well, but um, I think it's something that's integral to this inconsolable longing, mm-hmm. that when we are presented with beauty that moves us beyond words or music that moves us to tears, that there's a there's an ache in there, there's beauty that we're feeling, yes, but there's also this sense of separation that we feel, and that sense of separation goes back to what we carry from um, our long heritage as humans, as being mm-hmm. part of mankind, and of how we once had unbroken fellowship with God, but right. we do not anymore, but that is also coming, um, and that has been promised for us and is given through Christ. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's the concept of exile is a very important one to understanding the homeward longing or the homeward Mm -hmm. ache.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because you also write about uh, the fact that for those of us who are journeying and uh, making this pilgrimage, uh, there's a, there's a, a joy, if you will. There's a comfort of traveling in the company of other pilgrims. Talk about why that community, I would think, especially over the past five to 10 years, we've seen a lot more value placed in not only community, but having the right community. I mean, the healthy community that's going to help us grow.
3: Yes. um, I think that's just something that's come through firsthand experience for me, Mm -hmm. realizing that um, God has set this road up for us to be traveling home in community with others, and that, that could be the community of people who see eye to eye with us. Sometimes it's people who don't see eye to eye with us and who can challenge us, but do so in a in a in a hospitable manner, really,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, where we can have good discussions. But um, that really came out of a chapter in my life where we had moved to this state and knew no one and mm-hmm. there was just such a stripping away of all of these things and as they were added back in I think I got to feel the weight and the value of sharing life with other people.
0: Mhm. And and how wonderful that is especially when you're making a move that ultimately you can see that there's it's going to be good for you but in the moment you're just like hey wait Familiar, thank you very much. I mean, maybe maybe it was kind of awkward, but it was my awkward, you know, and, and that's a and that's mm-hmm. a tough one. Um, one of the things you also write about, I'm talking with Amy Beckley today here on The Bottom Line, and her book is called The Homeward Ache: how our yearning for the life to come spurs on our life today. One of your uh, essays uh, talks about the difference between East and West. And uh, I, I would love for you to kind of expand upon that for us as you will, because I believe as the as the world is shrinking, so to speak, and people are much more aware of global events than perhaps they were in times gone by. I uh, that that seems to be a a, a chasm, so to speak, that uh, is becoming more evident in our lives.
3: Uh yes, what kind of chasm?
0: The, the difference between east and west. Ah. Uh, huh. I would
3: Yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Oh, um yeah, I don't know that I, I. don't think I have any kind of authority to speak of it in broad terms. Um, but that chapter itself starts with my own family history of my grandparents during the Korean War, and um, one side had to escape from what later became or what is North Korea, and mm. um, and the other side uh, had to flee further south for the duration of the war. But both of them had to cross rivers. And um, just putting that chapter together and weaving in my own experience of what it was like to go to the country of my heritage, even though I hadn't lived in it before, um, all of that came together in helping me to see how Christ is the one who weaves together all of our the threads of our life on our homeward journey, and they're not there by accident. And so, um, yeah, it was mostly that journey about... Uh, finding him in my Western background and my Eastern heritage,
2: uh-huh. and yeah.
3: seeing that his glory is throughout. Yeah,
0: I love that. I mean, that, that's it's so refreshing, you know, to hear because I think sometimes as the world has gotten, you know, smaller in the sense that more people would consider themselves to have more of a global outlook. At the same time, this kind of tribal, you know, silo mentality takes over. For a lot of people Mm -hmm. and so now you see it's like i can see all this other stuff going on but this is how it pertains to my little world and what you just described is the exact opposite of that which i think is i think the way god wants us to be where you can appreciate a previous generation you know the sacrifices of what your grandparents had to go through and yet you see that the same Mm -hmm. god who had his hand on them has his hand on you and your husband and your children and it's uh it's got to be kind of refreshing and maybe makes that homeward ache a little less achy as you think about our, our journey home to heaven. Is that an accurate statement?
3: Yeah. Yeah, in a way, yes, because you get to see his presence with you as you're walking in things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. How, what What are some tips that you encourage people to do? Whether they're, they're, they just start describing that ache and you say, oh, I know exactly what you're going through. What are some some ways that we can either get to the point of where we just, you know, I'm sure there are some people listening to our conversation right now who are saying, I didn't realize that I had, that that's what that was, you know, that ache. Uh, and then other people who are dealing with it, but maybe they could be dealing with it better. Uh, Amy Beckley, what would you recommend for first the person who's just coming to terms with the fact that each of us has this homeward ache, What, where we, where we want to be with the Lord, but then we realize that God uses that ache to spur on our lives today?
3: Yeah, uh, for the person who's just coming into the recognition of that ache and its source, I would recommend keeping a list, actually, of what it is that's moving you um, and the the moments in scripture or literature or art or movies even that are impacting you. And keep a list of that because as you delve into scripture and theology and community with other believers, um, I think the fun of it is that you get to delve into every one of those points, and they will I think they will tell you something about who it is that you've been made to be what his plan is for us and the character and the nature of god Um, and so that's been one of the great joys for me
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that's wonderful well and i appreciate this as kind of a primer that'll become a go-to for me in terms of helping people who are saying gosh i just i i want all this madness to end you know i i I don't want my family to suffer i don't want to go through the problems that we're going through and as i was just having a conversation with a dear friend recently who has done some scientific work on the discovery of the Star of uh, Bethlehem and found out that he's going through just excruciating medical challenges right now. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's horrible to have to go through this, or sin in the world, which is why there's disease, but also there's spiritual warfare that's happening too. And isn't it nice to know that mm-hmm. that, that homeward ache will be satisfied one day, but in the meantime, that kind of gives us fuel to, to, to press on through and to keep going. Uh, Amy Beckley has been my guest brand new book is called the homeward ache how our yearning for the life to come spurs on our life today we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com maybe take the last 60 seconds of our time together and share from your heart what your hope is for someone who picks up a copy of this book and says all right i'll just like i said at the at the outward uh, at the beginning of our conversation i love this title uh what is your hope for someone who picks it up and, and gives it a read
3: my hope for the reader, um, and as I've been hearing back from readers in these early days of the book being released, um, is that this will help evoke the similar moments that they've experienced in their own lives, and that they'll be able to uh, relate to it on those grounds, but also that as they reflect on those experiences and how they've heard from the Lord or seen His presence, that it will help them to consider how they're going to respond to not just to those moments, but to him as they recognize that he's mm. the one behind those moments.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: that's what I'm hoping that it will lead them into a deeper freedom and love
0: of oh, God. <laughs> well, I've mission accomplished on this end, that's for sure. And I, I'll highly recommend this oh, book again. Thank
2: you. So thank wonderful. you for doing
0: that. The book is called The Homeward Ache: How Our yearning for the life to come? Spurs on our life today. Written by my guest, Amy Beckley. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Amy, thank you so much for being with us and for putting together really appreciate the time here on the bottom line thank you well that explains a lot it certainly does amy and thank you for being with us today here on the program great to have this conversation again the book the homeward ache how our yearning for the life to come spurs on life today is up at thebottomlineshow.com and we do have one copy of this book that we're giving away today 800-227-5278 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, I'm going to share a personal story. We wrap up this broadcast week here about some things that have, have impacted me in my life of late and uh, things I haven't really talked much about here on the program, but why what Amy and I were discussing just now uh, really does, it hits home for, for me and maybe for you as well. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about pre-born is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers. And he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to pre-born. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a $48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the pre-born banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax-deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology, and we're saving lives and saving babies through pre-born. Click on kbrightradio.com. Hit the pre-born banner today. My thanks again to Amy Beck Lee. That's B-A-I-K. It's an Asian name of you know, that Asian descent that she spoke about in her book, uh, the, This Homeward ache, how our yearning for the life to come... It, Spurs us on our life today. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we are giving away a copy of the book today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. It really resonated with what Amy said, just on a cultural level, because for me personally, I have family who are of Hispanic descent. As a matter of fact, my uh, the the Benias side of my family, my mom's family. Uh, goes back into the, I believe, the 18th century in Mexico, but that's in what we now call Rancho Cucamonga here in California. My great-great-grandfather lived there, and when California annexed uh, was annexed by uh, the U.S. from Mexico and it was 1845 or whatever before we became a state here. Um, they literally went to bed one night in Mexico and woke up the next day in California. It <laughs> it's quite that easy. But so, I mean, I didn't have to, the, the immigration story on that side of the family wasn't too much. But for my, my mom's family on her mother's side, uh, there was that longing because of Scotland is home. And my great-great-grandfather, James Edward, uh, emigrated to the United States, uh, met and married another Scottish uh, person, a Scottish woman, uh, Katie McTaggart, and they started a fa- uh, not only a family line that obviously continues today with my children and beyond, and then my children are having children, but uh, also he was a great man of faith, and we still have his Bible and some of his the, the books that he brought with him uh, from Scotland uh, that are about 150, 175 years old, and it, it's, it's a really very strong longing. But here is how it, this kind of settles for me. Uh, my mom and my dad and my brother and sister have all been to Scotland and visited our relatives there. Looked at the family history. Um, my my grandmother had a cousin and then she had a daughter. My grandmother had a daughter. You know, so we have third and fourth cousins there, but I've never been. And I, matter of fact, outside of Hawaii, I've only been continental U.S. and then parts of Canada and Mexico. So I've never been across the pond, as they say. And when I read Amy's book and she talked about her longing you know, for her homeland that she's never actually been to but wants to bring her daughters to, I, I know exactly what that's like. And maybe you do too. That place where you know a part of you is from and a part of you longs to return to it you kind of feel incomplete until you have that opportunity. And I may never have that opportunity. I mean, this side of eternity. And that's okay. I mean, what, Jesus never traveled more than what a couple hundred miles from where he was born. I I don't know that you're not a good Christian if you don't go to the Holy Land in California. But I understand that longing. And if you have that longing too, let that longing fuel your passion for what life in heaven is going to be like. It makes it a lot easier to let go of the things of this world, to see them as, instruments of helping to spread the good news to lead others to faith in christ to grow stronger in their faith to grow stronger in your faith and if you have that longing too i fellow traveler i encourage you today to let that longing not necessarily drive you to the point where you wind up taking on massive debt to go traveling back to your homeland of your family but rather let that passion say boy if i can't wait to see what scotland looks like i can only imagine what eternity with Jesus is going to be like. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.